All right, yes. Yes, so we had a team in Honduras. I was there, and then we got back uh, really late Friday night, so to speak, or early Saturday morning, whatever you want to call it there. Um, And I love mission trips. I love those opportunities. As you can see, we're able to do a lot of work in just one week, and it was really cool to see God move. And something about mission trips for me, I was telling our team earlier during our prayer time, is that it just, it increases my faith. You know, just to know, I know God is working here, but to go all the way to Honduras, thousands of miles, and to see God moving and working there is always incredible. It just reminds us of how big God is and what He wants to do all over the world. Uh, You saw some of the pictures there. We're handing out water filters. It's one of my favorite things to do there because we're able to share the gospel with people and then also provide clean water. So one of those water filters that you saw there, it provides clean water for two families up to 10 years. And so we took 42 water filters with us that week. We have a team going in June. They're taking more water filters over there. So that's a lot of clean water for families. And uh, that particular area is one of the poor areas right by the airport. And uh, they need clean water. They don't have clean water. And so uh, Pastor Freddie wants to put a well in in that particular area down the road. And uh, you saw we put four walls on the church. That was pretty awesome. And then they're going to come in and They've switched to aluminum roofs, so they're going to put aluminum roof up there, and that's going to be the church for that particular community that we're in, and there wasn't a church there before. But we saw a little over 20 salvations that week of people coming to know Christ. That's pretty incredible, right? I love that, to see what God is doing. And then again, the water filters, we were over to hand out um, that number, and just something about providing clean water. You know, it's just for people, something we really take for granted here in the U.S. And uh, But it's pretty incredible, and for us, we want to be a global missions church. And so reaching out, we truly believe the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? And so that's what we want to do, and we believe that God has blessed us to be able to do that. But uh, earlier this year, uh, our church, the Bridge Church, just started uh, helping and providing funds each month for Pastor Freddie and Samuel. So thank you for your generosity. Uh, We send about $250 a month there, sometimes a little more, depending on the giving each month to them. And let me tell you, those two men, uh, uh, Pastor Freddie, who you saw, and then his son, Pastor Samuel, they are not afraid to work. I mean, they are boots on the ground. Uh, Freddie is over nine churches, and they're planting more. Pastor Samuel Uh, who's around my age, he is over five churches, and they both have two or three pastors underneath them that they're raising up. One's going to take over this church, and so it's just pretty incredible work to see what God is doing through them. And so it's our honor to be able to help them financially a little bit there. I tell them, I'm like, hey, we're, we're just getting started as a church ourselves, but we want that to get through us to them. And I can't wait till we can give more uh, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done there in that area. And we're going to find out a little bit more in a few months when our next team goes in June. So if you're ever interested, we usually uh, take one trip a year. It's usually in June. I just added another one there. Uh, in April just to go down uh, because another Crossroads team was going. So, uh, But if you're joining us for the first time, maybe online or in the room, we're in a series called Miracles. That's right, Miracles. And we're looking, there's about 37 miracles in the New Testament that Jesus performs that we have documented. Uh, the book of John tells us that he, does, he has done many more miracles during that time. And so we're looking at those miracles. And what we found out week one was is that miracles aren't the thing that we're chasing. 
right? Like miracles are a byproduct. And what they do is, is it's what points us to who Jesus is. It points us to his authority. It points us to that he is God. And it's one of those, one of those opportunities for us to look through the window of the kingdom of heaven and go, okay, this is who Jesus is. And he's proven that he is the son of God over and over again. And we see some of these miracles take place. And so I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning. Is everybody doing okay? So I got to Honduras on Tuesday. I'm going to pray, I promise. But I got to Honduras on Tuesday, and then my sinuses went haywire. So if you hear my voice, my voice is just kind of coming back a little bit. Uh, so if you hear it crack or anything, don't laugh. Just We're just going to be in here together, okay? Um, I got my water up here to help us get through. But let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you for each and every soul that can hear the sound of my voice. God, I, we know that you are uh, um, an incredible God who is rich in love and in mercy, God. And I know that our lives are incredibly busy and there is so much weighing on our shoulders, God. And I pray that we can take the next few moments and just to lean into your truth, that we can walk out of here knowing who we are, God. And if we don't have a relationship with you, God, we can walk out of here knowing that we are saved and secure in you and who you are, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. So today we're in the book of Mark. Uh, we're kind of keeping this theme along. We're in Mark chapter 6 today. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 6. We're also going to be in Mark chapter 8. But Mark chapter 6, we're going to put it up for you on the screens. But if you like to follow along there, underline things, that's okay too. So Mark chapter 6. And I want to kind of set this, the theme up today. Because I think there's many times in your life and in my life where it's hard to know what to do. Have you ever been in that situation before where you just look at God and you go, I'm not really sure what next step to take. Either something that is in front of you is incredibly overwhelming, right? You've ever gotten that where you just got so much to do, it almost paralyzes you, right? And you got this to take care of, this to take care of, this has got to happen, this has got to happen on Monday, Tuesday. And it can be so overwhelming, you're like, how am I even going to tackle all of this? How am I even going to make all of this happen, right? And it, be, and it starts to get heavy with us, right? And so today I want to talk about, as we study Mark chapter 6, what do you do when you don't know what to do, right? Like, what do we do when we don't know what to do? And I think we find that here as the disciples are following Jesus. And the book of Mark is incredible. I love the book of Mark because it gets right to the action. You know, it's kind of like watching an action movie. Uh, you look at the book of Matthew and he kind of he brings you along and proves that he is God by showing you the genealogies and all of that. But Mark jumps in and he jumps right into the action of Jesus going into his miracles. Jesus showing us who he is. Well, Jesus has these disciples. There's 12 of them now and maybe maybe even a little more. And uh, they come together and Jesus is always teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. And we get to this scenario. You're going to see something pretty fascinating here. You're going to see this story not happen once, but it happens twice. And so we know that Jesus is trying to teach them something. And in fact, I think he's trying to teach all of us something uh, through this particular story. That's why all of this is marked down so that we can see it. 
over and over again. And so when we get to Mark chapter 6, Jesus' fame is starting to spread. People are coming from everywhere to hear about this man Jesus, to hear about his stories because he's preaching with authority. He's preaching with clarity. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's doing all these things. And can you imagine if you and I heard this, somebody at USCB in the middle of campus, they're preaching all of these words, they're, they're all of these things, they're kind of turning the Jewish tradition upside down and showing us a new way, right? And then they're healing people, right? And then he's, and all of this, and so the crowd begins to come and the crowd begins to gather. So much so that we see that, that Jesus is getting ready to encounter about 5,000, the, the Bible says 5,000 men, but we know that there were uh, other women there, there were families there, so it could have been anywhere from ten to 15,000 people that Jesus is encountering here in Mark chapter 6, and all of these people are coming in droves just to hear Jesus, right? Amen, that's a good thing. And so we get to Mark chapter 6, and this is what it says here. Everybody doing okay? You look good, so that's good. All right, Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 34. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to do the work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. How much bread do you have? If you have your Bibles, I want you to remember that question right there. Underline that. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. Then they came back and reported. We have five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. That's important right there. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Who doesn't love some leftovers, right? And then a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. This is an incredible story, right? This is one of the miracles of Jesus. And we see something begin to unfold. But before we really break this down here today, I want to jump over to Mark chapter 8. Because remember I said this not only happens once, but a lot, a lot of times it's hard for us to realize this, but it happens twice here in the Bible. In Mark chapter 8, you guys still doing okay? I like to ask a lot of questions, you know, I get, anyway. I feel like family here. Verse 1, it says, About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Everybody loves to eat, right? People ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. For some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, look at this. How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, was he asked? The same question. How much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took seven loaves, 
thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave, look at this again. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. And the disciples picked up seven large baskets afterwards. And the Bible records that this was about 4,000 men. So, so uh, we have 5,000, almost 15,000, 4,000, which could be about 10,000 people that were there. And that happened not only once, but twice, right? It's like Jesus wants to tell us something. And what does he want to tell us in this? And we find the disciples coming to Jesus. And what are they? They're confused, right? They don't know what to do. They have this huge crowd, this insurmountable thing that is in front of them. And the people are so hungry. They've been there for church for three days. That's a long service, right? What you guys got going on the next couple days, right? And like just one day one, day two, and day three. And they're, they're so hungry and they need food. And so the disciples come to Jesus and go, we got to do something. We got to feed all of these people. So let's send them away. And Jesus does what? He says, you feed them. Right? And the disciples are like, um, Jesus, I'm doing the math here. I'm not great at math, but I'm looking at this crowd. I'm looking at what we have and how much money we have. Uh, the giving last month, Jesus, I already calculated it. We can't feed all of these people, Jesus. Right, we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to do all of these things. And Jesus goes, okay, okay, that's, that's fine. What do you have? Tell me what you have. And he says, I want you to go count. Find all the loaves, the fish. Just find whatever you can. And what does he say? He said, I want you to bring it to me. Right? So they go and they find the five loaves and the two, two fish. And the first step they do is they give it to Jesus. Right? They understand here in this moment. And there's three life lessons I think that you and I can pull from the Bible here. And the first one that I want you and I to get here is, is what you give to God is never lost. It is always blessed. Whatever you and I give to God, it is never lost. It is always blessed, right? Because the disciples could have looked and said, okay, I only have five loaves and two fish. Let's us 12 disciples sneak away in the woods and share this thing together, right? And send everybody else home, right? Because it's like, I can't give you, this is all I've got. Jesus, this is all I got. I can't give it to you. I'm going to lose it if I get it to you, right? And Jesus is trying to teach them what you give to God. You're not losing it. In fact, God's going to bless it. God's going to use it for his glory, right? And we see this happen over and over and over again in Scripture. And what this does is, is it increases our faith in Jesus, right? Because there's many times in your life, and especially in my life, where I look at what's in front of me and I go, God, this is not enough. Right. Like, like I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough time in the day. I don't I don't have enough experience. Right. Like all of these things. I don't have enough money. Right. We look at what's in front of us and they feel like insurmountable odds that are right in front of us. Right. So much so it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what step I should take. And Jesus is going. The first step I want you to take is I want you to trust me with it. I want you to bring it to me. In fact, I love that question. We're going to come back to it at the end. But he says, what do you have? Right? He doesn't ask the disciples to go, hey, tell me your dream board. Tell me your vision. Tell me how much you want to have. He goes, no, take inventory of what you have right 
now. The first step is to take inventory of what you have right now. Where are you at in life right now? How much knowledge do you have right now? How many people do you have in your life right now? What kind of relationships do you have in your life right now? And God says the first step I want you to do is to trust me with all of that. The first thing I want you to be willing to bring it to me and allow me to start to show you how I want you to interact with them, how much I want you to give here, how much I want you to serve there, how much I want you to do that, right? Because it starts there. It starts with this opportunity of going, I now believe that if I can give this, if I can just get it to Jesus, he can bless it. If I can just bring this under God's will, I believe he can bless it. If I will start to live out in the ways that God has called me to live, then he will start to bless it. Right. And he's saying, if you will trust me in it. And when I when I use this phrase, a lot of times, I mean, I could preach that. Right. But that's called prosperity gospel, right? Like I could preach it. You bring it to God and you're going to get millions. You bring it to God and he's going to give you this and your bank account's going to increase. Your bank account's going to, you know, all those things, right? But what God is saying, if you bring it to me, I will bless it. Meaning the fact of I will show you what to do with it. I'll show you the way forward. I will give you wisdom for what's next. I mean, he may increase it, right? But our responsibility is not the increase, Right. Like here in this situation, he did not ask the disciples, hey, I want you to go work overtime and make all of this happen. Right. He didn't say that. He said, I want you to bring me what you have. His his responsibility was to bring Jesus what he had here, because here's here's the lie that the enemy will tell you and he'll tell me. And um, this is a big one. He'll look at us and he'll say, you can do it. You are strong enough. On your own. You can make this happen. On your own. That's one of the biggest lies. The enemy will whisper. In your ear. And in my ear. Because what does that do for us? It wells up the pride in us. Right? Like I can do this. I'll do it on my own. I'm going to make this happen. And God's going no. You can't do it on your own. You may be you may be thinking you may have the opportunity to do some things on your own. Right. And, and this I believe this plays out physically and especially spiritually. Right. Because sometimes we think we can tackle this on our own. We can uh, live this life on our own and we can kind of live out soloed out and I can just keep pushing through. I mean, I can put my head down and I can plow through. Right. I mean, I, I, we, we feel that pressure that you and I feel, but that's what the enemy wants us to think. And when I say enemy, that's what the devil is trying to deter us away because he knows if he can get us isolated, then we won't be encouraged in faith by the word of God. We won't be encouraged by community, right? Because so he whispers that in our ear. And, and it, what does it do? It, it fills our pride up a little bit, right? Because what if we have a good day, right? We have a good day and we're able to tackle some things on our own. We're like, oh, Maybe I can do this. I feel I'm feeling pretty good, right? Like, look at me. I'm knocking this thing out. I'm making life happen, right? And it fills us up. But what God wants us to know is, is that if you and I will bring him what we have, he will begin to do a work in us so that now we don't find our identity in our work, right? So on the good days and on the low days, my identity is not based on what I accomplished today. 
Right now, if I'm bringing it to Jesus and I'm allowing him to bring the increase. Now, my identity is not on I got that promotion. So look at me. I feel better about myself. No, I could I could be in the bottom walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But yet the Holy Spirit encourages me. I know that I am saved. I know that I am secure. I know that God is with me in the valley and on the mountaintops. Right. As Jacob was talking about earlier, it's when we build our house, not on what we do, but on who we are in Christ, that's when the rock, our cornerstone, holds us steady, right? And that's where God wants to get us. He wants where he wants to get you, and he wants to get me to, to walk into that. And the second thing that I want us to see here is that, um, what did Jesus do? He brought up the bread, he blessed it, he prayed over it, and then he started breaking it apart. And then he ran through the crowd and handed everybody the bread himself. Is that what he did? No, he started breaking the bread and he said, come here, come here, come here. Look, look. He, he opened it up and the basket's full. He's breaking it. He's handing it to his disciples, right? He's going, go give this bread out. Go give this bread out. Go give this bread out. And then they hand it all out. And then they come back and they're like, there, there's no way there's more. There's no way there's more, right? And the disciples come back. He opens it again. The basket's full again. And they're breaking the bread and he hands it to his disciples. And they just keep coming back. And they're like, no way it's full again, right? And they come back. It's full again, right? Can you imagine being the disciples in that moment going this is incredible this is i can't believe that god would work that way and if i could tell you anything is that if you would trust god and we would keep taking steps of faith you and i can experience that moment as well i can't tell you how many times in church planning where i'm like god we don't have enough God, there's not enough people. There's not enough money. There's not enough of this. And every time I go back to God, I'm like, there's no way there's more, right? There's no way there's more. And it's like, God, you, that person gave it just the right time. We pay rent. We pay this. We pay that. We're able to do that like over and over and over again, right? And we see how God just continues to provide, can, continues to, to have this. But the life lesson that I want you and I to grasp here in life lesson number two is that God's plan is to work through his people. God's plan is to work through his people, that God wants to work through you and through me to change the world in Jesus' name. And I fully believe that. Those people in Honduras, I'm sure they were praying for clean water. And what did God do? He stirred the hearts of people to go, you know what? I'm going to send you down to Honduras. I'm going to send these water filters down with you. It's like, it's like God's handing it us, providing those things. And we walked it to them here in the low country. There are your neighbors that are around you that God wants to work through you. There are people inside of this church that God wants to work through you to uh, invest in them, to disciple them, to walk and encourage them. And we see this happen all throughout Scripture. When people are praying, when the Old Testament, when people were uh, enslaved, what did God do? He sent Moses. He sent one of his people to come and to rescue his people. When uh, the Israelites were free and they needed to go into the promised land, what did God do? He sent Joshua, a military leader, to work through them, to take over the land, to get them into the promised land. And there may be a neighbor who is around you or a coworker, or maybe your child who is praying for something, a friend or a spouse. They're praying for something. And God begins to stir something in you to help them. 
And that's because God wants to work through you, right? He wants to work through this church and that we want to be a river and not a lake, right? When God gives us something, we're like, oh, this is mine. I got to hold on because that's the tendency, right? Is I got this. This is mine. I worked hard for it, God. I'm holding on to this. This is I need this. But God goes, wait, what do you have? And if you'll trust me with it, I will get it through you and you can experience the same thing that the disciples experienced. I can remember the first time. This is not a uh, giving talk, but this is one of my examples. And because this, this range true. And uh, I remember the first time Amanda and I, we got married and we wanted to start to live under the principles of what God has for us. And so we uh, started to tithe for the first time. We said, God, we're going to give you 10% off the top. No matter what, we're going to just start giving to you no matter what. And I remember the first month we were short. We were short to pay. And I was like, really, God? Right? Like, you're like, I'm doing this right here. And I kid you not, I went to my mailbox and opened the mailbox up. And it was a check for what we were short from my dad. I still remember this story to this day. Every time. And I'm telling you, we have done that ever since we have been married. We've been married almost 13 years now. And we, we do that. And God has always provided for us in those moments. And he's saying, if you will trust me in those moments. But it's hard, especially when you first start doing it, right? It's hard when we first have it because God is going, if you will trust me with it, it's never lost. That I will bless it. And then he was saying, hey, I want to actually work through you, right? I want to see that get through you. But I, I believe that happens not only in finances, but it happens in our relationships, right? Like, Because I, I look at myself and I'm saying, God, how do I be the leader of my family? How do I do all of this, right? And God is going, hey, I want you to start where you are with what you have and start taking those steps and that gets us to our last life lesson here. You guys get me excited. We got to move on, okay? Uh, our last life lesson here. Everybody doing okay? Our last life lesson that we see here is that we have the responsibility of living by faith. You and I have the responsibility in our relationship with God. God does all, everything that I've just talked about. He allows us to walk in freedom and in hope and all of these pieces. He provides for us. He does all of these things. He reminds us of who he is. But then he gives you and I a responsibility in the relationship, right? He gives us the opportunity to live by faith. And I want to sit here for just a second because we hear that a lot, especially in church, right? Live by faith. Walk by faith and not by sight and it can get a little muddy i think if we're honest right like what does walking by faith look like what does that mean for you what does that mean for me on monday when i'm trying to get everybody ready for school what does that mean i just finished college i'm trying to figure out what my next steps are or i just started a new job or i'm a high school student i'm trying to figure this thing out what does it look like for me to live by faith and i want to take us to hebrews 11 1 and this is so incredible this is what it says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, right? So we see that faith is the, is the assurance that God has given us for what we hope for, right? So we have hope for what we maybe can't see. But then he says the conviction of things not seen, that you and I, faith starts with a conviction, right? That doesn't start with the reality that it's in front of us. 
Right? He's saying right here in this story, the reality was we don't have enough food to feed all of these people. But what it started was, I want you to have the conviction to trust me, bring me what you have. And through that faith, God's going to provide through us. Right. So it starts with God doing something in us where it starts with a conviction. And then it's not reality yet. Right. Because now it's faith. Now it's going, God, I feel like you told me to do this. It's not a reality yet. Oh, but I'm going to take the first step, right? Like, and and then I'm going to take, and I'm going to take another step, right? And we just keep trusting God, but it's it's a challenge. And this is what I want us to get here because I don't want to sugarcoat it: is that every faith step is a challenge, every single one, every single faith step. You and I on this side of eternity don't get to the point going, "Ooh, I'm going to trust God with everything." Ooh, this is easy now. I'm just keep trusting God, right? Because what God does in our relationship is He keeps taking us deeper. He keeps taking us deeper into a relationship with him. He keeps taking us further in our relationship with him. And you're like, okay, God, I trust you with that. And I'm going to trust you with this. And I'm going to trust you with this. And it's like, okay. And he begins to show us what he can do through us. But it starts with a conviction that's not a reality yet. And then on the backside, we see it come to become reality. And we're going, wow, look how God worked. It just started with a conviction. It started in faith because you may look at your family and go, God, I don't see you at work at all. But it starts with a conviction, right? Of going, okay, I'm going to start living by faith. I'm going to start speaking life and faith into my family, right? And I'm going to start, it's not a reality yet, but I'm going to start living by faith and speaking by faith and leading my family this way, right? And and encouraging and walking them towards God, moving them towards God, even though it's not a reality yet, right? And they're like, why are you talking like that now? Why are we doing this now? Why is this happening, right? But because we're starting to walk by faith and then we see God start to move and work in those situations, right? Like, I don't, maybe you have a terrible relationship with your neighbor but you have the conviction of going you know what God wants to work in faith with that or maybe you have an unreconciled relationship that needs forgiveness to begin to oh sign fell down you guys all right it's a real light sign you know the Holy Spirit's moving you know signs falling down anyway sorry about that good catch guys good job you know so good very good um, where was I? You know, uh, God starts moving and he knocks signs over to wake us up. No, um, but as we think about those faith steps, and it's the hard part is it's not reality yet, but God wants to work through us to help it become a reality, right? And he may start spiritually in us. And so we need to start praying in faith. Speaking in faith, living in faith, because now we're living by faith. God starts to do a work in us and through us, even though it's not a reality yet. Right. Like even though when we started this church, there was no church here at USCB. Right. But even though it's not a reality, doesn't mean it can't happen. Amen. And we start taking those steps of faith and you may look at your situation and the reality is and the enemy says it's not going to happen. And you go, oh, yeah, well, I'm speaking by faith. I'm living by faith. I'm praying by faith. And I believe that God is going to do a work. And I believe that if you and I as Christians double down on our faith and we put it all on God, our responsibility is to what? Bring it to God. Our responsibility is to trust him. Our responsibility is to live by faith. And it's his responsibility to bring 
the increase, right? It's his responsibility to change lives. It's his responsibility, all of those things, right? And he has an incredible track record. I'm telling you, promises after promises after promises. But it takes you and I taking those steps of faith first, of trusting God and going, okay, God, I'm going to believe you at your word because I believe he can still do a mighty work today. I believe that you and I can still believe and step in faith. And I think that God is calling us to speak in faith, right? You may look at your job, your work, your coworkers, and it's not a reality yet, but that's okay because we're going to start living in faith and believing that God can change every single person. There's 101,000 people on the center who checked that they don't go to church anywhere here in Beaufort County. That's a reality, but that's okay. We're going to start speaking in faith. We believe that God can save everyone and that he wants to work through all of us to bring him glory, right? And I believe that God wants to do a mighty work in you and in me. But it takes faith. It takes you and I of going, God, I'm believing you in your work. Because you may be looking, and I, I see a bunch of small group leaders in here. And you're like, Pfft. Nuh-uh, not me, right? Like, not me. It's not a reality yet. But if we start living and speaking and praying in faith, God begins to raise us up spiritually, right? And he begins to do a work in us. And now, now we're not only being fed by Christ and by other people, now we're feeding others as well. Because in this story, what does the disciples do? They keep coming back and there's more and there's more. And then they feed everybody and everybody's like, oh, you know, right after lunch and you got to take a nap and you're so full. Like everybody is full. And then there's 12 baskets left over. And the disciples are taking this little goodie bag home full of all of the goodness of God. And they're reminded that God not only provides but he exceeds our expectations and one day you're going to be sitting there leading a small group or discipling your kids or pouring into your spouse and you're like I would have never thought I was here right but it's God doing the mighty work in you and in me and as we keep taking those steps of faith we're like wow let me look at this thing in reverse look how God moved every step of the way and I truly still believe it today I believe that God can do a mighty work in us and so as we look at our lives and as, I, as we close today and begin to pray about what is God asking us? How can I be faithful? And I think God is looking at you and looking at me and he's asking the same question. Well, what do you have? Right? Because we come to God and go, God, I gotta, this has got to happen. This has got to uh, move forward. This door's got to open. And God goes, what do you have? Because I know all of that's going on. I know everything is really crazy. But I just want you to look at me right now and go, what do you have right now? And I want you to give it to me. It's never lost. It'll be blessed. I want you to give it to me. I want you to trust me in my ways. I want you to start stepping and living in faith with what you have right now. And then I want you to tr keep trusting me and, and seeing how God moves over and over again. You may be looking and going, you know what? All I have is 20 free minutes. That's all I have all day is 20 free minutes. 23 minutes, that's not even a word, 23 minutes. And God goes, okay, I want you to give it to me. Spend that time praying with me. Spend that time seeking me in my word. Spend that time with me, right? He's going, you, we may look and go, God, uh, I, I hate, you keep using financial examples, but we look at our financial situation and we're like, God, I, I need this, need this. And God goes, uh, what do you have right now? I want you to trust me right now with what 
you have, right? In those, in those moments, we may be looking at our job, maybe looking at our relationships and going, God, I, I need to connect with this person. I need this. I need my kid to know this. I need this person to know that. And I want my coworker to have this kind of relationship or this kind of experience or I want to be this kind of leader out in the community. And God goes, what do you have? Where are you right now? What do you know right now? What situation are you in right now? And I want you to trust me with it. I want you to keep taking steps with me right now because the Bible tells us he who is faithful with a little will be faithful with much, right? I love that principle. It applies to almost everything in our life, right? Because we always want the much, but God goes, if you're not faithful with this, are you going to be faithful with this, right? He's saying it starts where we are with what we're doing. That's with our time, our talents, our resources, or whatever it may look like. And God is saying, I want you to trust me with it. And there's this moment where um, we're working on the work site in Honduras and um, we're laying mud. I became like a mud laying expert, you know, like, anyway, um, I never get to do construction and I'll probably never do it again. Anyway, um, just kidding. But we're laying the mud and during that time, we're, of course, we're connecting and there's three or four Honduran workers that work with us and we're working through translators with them. Well, there's one guy, um, he is working with us every single day and he's a 19-year-old kid. I call him a kid, I'm sorry. 19-year-old kid guy and he's laying brick and he's excellent. He's working through it and all of these things. And uh, so we begin to talk to him and Greg, who's the pastor of Crossroads, begins to ask him. He goes, hey, tell me about your life. What do you want to do? And he starts sharing and then he starts sharing I think God may be calling me to be a pastor, right? Like, I, I want to be a pastor like Pastor Freddie or Pastor Samuel. And Greg looks at him and he goes, God's waiting on you. And I, in that moment, I just, I felt that in a moment. He's going, God's waiting on you. And that phrase stuck with me all week. And as I was beginning to pray for this message, I believe that God is looking at you and looking at me. And he's going, hey, I'm waiting on you. Right. God is ready. He is ready. He has always been ready. He will always be ready. Right. And he is saying, I'm waiting on you to be willing to take those steps of faith. And I believe that God can do a mighty work when we trust him, when we take those steps of faith and don't allow it to become paralyzing. Right. God's going, what do you have? Where are you at right now? Let's start living in faith, because I believe if we as a church take this to heart and we believe it with everything that we have can you imagine every area of our life we're saying God it's yours I want to do your plan your will and I want to see you move and use work through me I think we'll have scenarios where we're going back in our community and we're going oh, I can't believe this God worked through me God is using me he, he worked through he put this knowledge through me he helped this person I prayed over this or whatever it may be and all of a sudden we see God begin to do a work in us but it starts with faith in him. And I believe that God can do that. And how much faith does the Bible tell us? What does Jesus tell us? It takes the faith of a mustard seed, right? I think Jesus was looking around and found the smallest thing he could find. And goes, if you just have mustard seed faith, I can do some work with that. Right? I can do some work. What do you have. And so I'm just praying for us as a church. And one of the things you know, one of the things that God is really pressing in on us is to be a house of prayer. And so we're, uh, Jacob and the team's going to come back up and they're going to sing a worship song for us. And uh, I'm going to be down here. And uh, Miss Bunny, are you available today? I didn't ask her before. So anyway, um, but we're going to be available today. And if there's maybe something going on in your life, you would just love prayer for 
uh, we're going to be available for you for prayer. And it could be something like, hey, uh, God, increase my faith. It could be that prayer that we're praying in together. It could be, hey, I got this situation going on in my life. God, I need to be set free from this, whatever it may be. Or maybe you just want to have a moment and worship God together. We just want to be available to you for prayer because we believe that if we pray in faith that God will move. God will move inside of our lives and that he can do a mighty work. And so let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. God, I pray that you will speak to us today. God, I pray as we uh, hear the stories uh, of the Bible and we hear the miracles, God, I pray that the, the, we don't chase the miracles, but we chase you because you're the one who uh, allows the authority and the power to live through us, God. I pray that we would live by faith, that even though maybe we can't see what you're doing, even though maybe we can't see uh, the reality of what uh, the convictions that we have that you have given us, that we would keep living and praying and speaking in faith, God. I pray that you give us the boldness, give us supernatural strength as you work through us, God. We love you. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.